I'm Laura Vinrit Pool of Capital, and this is what we wore. Chloe Mal is a contributing editor at Vogue and the co-host of the magazine's podcast, The Run Through. Chloe shares how she unexpectedly came to work at Vogue 15 years ago and continues to cultivate her career there in the midst of being a mother. Chloe, thanks so much for coming on. You're so nice to do this. I'm so happy. (laughs) I haven't seen you in a few years. You came down to Charlotte several years ago and um, had dinner with us, which was so nice. That was such a fun trip. It was so nice, but a lot's changed since then. (laughs) It's true. A lot more people in your family. A lot more people in my family. Things after COVID, really. (laughs) I feel like the pandemic was a... uh, Accelerator. Very productive time in my life. (laughs) Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I was born in New York City at Mount Sinai. And then um, when I was three or four, my mom got the job of Murphy Brown. Mm -hmm. And uh, we moved to Los Angeles. And I lived in Beverly Hills from when I was four to 15, and then moved back to New York for the end of high school. What would your parents have said about you as a child? What were you like? I was, I think, quite defiant and uh, opinionated (laughs) and uh, spiky is a word I think my mother would probably use for me then and still now at times. (laughs) And you have, I mean, it's interesting to be the the only child of two artists, really. I mean, did did you remember knowing that that's what they did for their jobs? Not really. You know, I have very strong memories of going on the set of Murphy Brown and running around under, you know, the the rig lights and all, all this sort of, the sets were really fun for me and being on in the studio was fun, but I don't remember thinking they're artists. It was, that was sort of just their job. And did you go on set with your dad? Once or twice, but not often because mostly he was filming in New York or in Europe and uh, we were in LA. Did you spend a lot of time in France with his family? Uh, I would. We would spend most summers uh, at this house that I'm going to tomorrow, and that was most of our time there. We would go through Paris and spend a little time in Paris, and then go to the Southwest and spend time there. But other than that, you know, I wasn't in France much during the year because my mom was working and I was in school. How do you think that influenced you? Well, I wish I spoke French better. I wish that my father had spoken to me more in French. I think he didn't see me that often, so he felt like he wanted me to understand when he was spending time with me. But um, I definitely am envious of people who grew up in bilingual households. You know, my I have two half-siblings. My father has a son and a daughter from previous relationships who are 12 and 15 years my senior. Mm-hmm. And having relationships with them has been extremely important for me. And they are both French. Well, they both live in Paris. My brother is half German. My sister is uh, French and their international perspective. And especially my sister spending time with her and her family in France certainly shaped who who I am and and my cultural tastes and my awareness of, of different things. And so that was important for me. When you got back from France to LA, were you like, oh my God? To be honest, the bigger shift for me was... Um, A lot of people, uh, a lot of my peers uh, at private school in Los Angeles would go to Hawaii on vacation, um, (laughs) during vacations. And my mother was so insecure about Los Angeles being a cultural wasteland. The, you know, I love the Woody Allen line that uh, Los Angeles' version of culture is that you can turn right on red. (laughs) 
which I don't think is fair. But uh, my mother's certainly very um, concerned that I not have exposure to things beyond uh, the mall. <laughs> and she would say that when I went to the mall. And so for every spring break, she would finish taping. And then like the next day would be my spring break. And we would go on some big cultural adventure trip. And so we went to, you know, Russia in the middle of mm-hmm. March. We um, went to Jordan and Israel. We went to Japan. And so we did these very uh, ambitious trips that I still have extremely strong and fond memories of. Often they were with another family, close family friends. And I loved that, but I did, I would get back and be sort of like sallow and gray from being in <laughs> Moscow and, and, you know, frigid conditions and everyone would sort of <laughs> saunter in tan from the big island. So it was it was a, a different thing there. I love it. And did you remember style or fashion playing a role at all in your upbringing? You know, not I'm not one of those people who like grew up drawing dresses mm-hmm. and was obsessed with, dre- you know, dressing myself. I do love the way that my mom dressed me when I was a little girl. It was very androgynous. She kept my hair cut in like a pixie cut. She, I, you know, I was always in sort of overalls and a little baseball cap. And so I love that she did that. In fact, my father once took me to visit the set of Hook when Steven Spielberg was filming it. And because I had this pixie cut, uh, Spielberg said, Chloe should play baby Tinkerbell, baby Julia Roberts <laughs> for a day in the one flashback scene. And we couldn't do it because we were going to France, but I sort of, I wish that I had been my, my big Hook moment. <laughs> Did you know your mom? I mean, how fashionable your mom was? Mm, Really? I mean, more what I was aware of as like a teenager was how just show-stoppingly beautiful she was considered to be when she was younger. And and as a preteen, that's uh, can be daunting because Mm. I was not. And uh, yeah, I was fine, but I was not, it was not that experience uh, for her at that, for her, people would truly would stop in the street. Yeah. She was that beautiful when she was a teenager. And so I became aware of that um, growing up. But fashion wise, I mean, for me, the more exciting thing was that the Murphy Brown wardrobe woman would um, help make my Halloween costume every year. And we would get to go into the Warner Brothers costume department and pick out things that I could borrow for Halloween. Like I dressed as Lucille Ball one year. And so we got to go like find a fifties dress. And that was amazing. Yeah. And that was more sort of the fun of fashion for me. I don't really remember being excited about things she was wearing. What about the gift for, for writing or for storytelling? Did you have that from an early age? Well, I definitely have always told stories in a very exaggerated way. Like there (laughs) definitely needs to be heavy fact checking when I am recounting something. And so I, um, I would say I just, I like a dramatic spin. (laughs) And I think I've always liked attention and sort of uh, commanding people's attention with a good story. And so that's always been something I was interested in. I read Anne Frank when I was really little, like seven or eight. And so I started keeping a diary from that age. And, you know, soon after that decided I wanted to be a writer. And that's what I was going to do. And that was from like nine years old on. Mm. Will you talk to me a little bit about growing up with with parents, both so dedicated to their careers? I mean, was that was that intimidating? You know, I've talked about this or thought about that and thought about this recently, because now I have very young kids. And, you know, it's, it's a question of how much do you want to be working? And how much are you with them and figuring out that balance? And 
to my mom's credit, she was at work a lot and she was on a hit TV show that filmed all week, every week. But I felt that she was extremely present in my life. She drove carpool to school in the morning. She would come and we had a thing uh, once a month called hot lunch where you would serve, you know, the parents would come and serve hot dogs or hamburgers. She would serve hot lunch. Um, she was always at, you know, my track meets and usually Jeopardy was on. I would eat dinner at home in the kitchen with my nanny Delia. And then my mom would come in sometime during Jeopardy. <laughs> and but that was fine. And and I saw her a lot and I we vacationed together and we spent the weekends together. So, yeah, I mean, I do remember when she served hot lunch. She there were boys in my class who she was the sprint lady at the time. <laughs> And she had like the slogan, it was like a dime a minute and she would be like dropping dimes in her hand. And so they would go up to her with Skittles and do one minute, two minute, three minute <laughs> as if the Skittles were dimes. So she definitely, there were different elements of that, I'm sure for her as well as for me. Did you know what a sort of how political Murphy Brown was at the time? No. And I recently, there was a great podcast called You Must Remember This. Yeah. And uh, Karina Longworth just did an episode about uh, the Dan Quayle <laughs> situation. situation. And it was interesting for me because I was a child at the time and it was not something that I remember clearly at all. I just remember sort of afterward knowing that we had these covers of Time Magazine around the house. We, you know, there yeah. were remnants of it, but I don't remember it as uh, in real time. And so it was interesting to hear sort of a deep dive background of that. And just really interesting that the show was about a working mother. And yeah, it's it, almost like I didn't even realize it at the time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm yeah, not her daughter, but right. I don't think I realized it at the time until, I don't know, thinking about it and wonder if the irony of it even affected her. Like she was just like, oh my God. I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Right. Chloe, did you go to college for journalism? I went to Brown and I studied um, comparative literature and creative writing. Mm. I don't think they had a journalism option for an undergrad, but I, I think you, you probably could have done English to be more strictly on a journalism course, but I did not do that. And did you connect with it from the beginning? I did. I mean, I was on the school paper, I sort of the alternative weekly school paper, which I loved. And that was always fun for me. And, you know, I, I think most people have to try a couple of things or, or investigate a few different paths before they figure out what makes sense for them. And, and also just know that things are not going to go the way you thought they might in college. Um, I mean, I never in college would have thought that I would be involved in a fashion magazine. I, it just wasn't something that I would have uh, anticipated. I was at one point interested in being a doctor, but then realized I couldn't get through medical school. I was interested in public health and the developing world. And then I sort of worked in that for a little bit and got disillusioned by it. And then I wanted to write about that for newspapers. And then I moved to, back to New York and started writing about real estate for the New York Observer because I hmm. was interning there and the real estate reporter got promoted. And so it was sort of being in the right place at the right time. I knew nothing about real estate, but it was actually a great way to, real estate is a great uh, view into power in New York because it's hmm. who's selling, who's buying, who's moving. It's sort of like a chess board of what's happening in this city that has such a high uh, concentration of movers and shakers. And so I did that and then I started writing features for the Observer and I loved being at the Observer. 
And I started writing freelance also for the New York Times for the style section. I uh, had a great editor there who moved from the Observer to the New York Times. And then um, I got asked to come have an interview at Vogue for uh, a features editor role that would be overseeing all of the sort of social content of the magazine and uh, some for the website. It's funny now because that was almost 15 years ago. Social then meant going out to parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Social now means meant socializing. Instagram <laughs> and TikTok. So I was non charge of Instagram or TikTok, which is important because I'm a real Luddite. <laughs> it was a, you know, I was in charge of a section of the magazine that was really fun, front of the book. It was sort of fashion news. Well, not really fashion news. That was Mark Holgate's section, but it was um, weddings. It was uh, young women we were interested in. It was small news items about lifestyle things. And it was just a very exciting thing to be able to curate and oversee. And do you remember your interview? I do. I had two interviews with Anna. No one told me not to wear black. So I wore black, <laughs> which is funny because I don't actually wear black, but that, that seemed fashion-y to me. And so I wore black, um, which was the wrong call. Yes. I mean, famously, you know, like a dodo, I was interviewing for this very social position where I was also going to be covering events at night. And Anna asked me what I like to do in my free time. And I told her I like to uh, cook and sleep. <laughs> she was like, okay. And the um, famous, very raucous, fabulous uh, former managing editor of Vogue, Lori Jones, uh, who's quite Southern, called me uh, at 8 a.m. Saturday morning, which is the next day, and said, what did you say to Anna? And I was like, well, I told her I like to sleep and cook. She goes, oh my God, Anna doesn't do either. I had to go back and interview again and insist that I didn't sleep that much. <laughs> I always have found that Anna's extremely gracious in interviews and really is interested in what you have to say. Yeah. And uh, I don't find personally there to be the sort of she she's not terrorizing you in the way I feel like some <laughs> people present their uh, interview experience. You took the job and did you enjoy it from the start? I mean, it was a different, definitely a different thing from real estate. It's definitely being thrown into the deep end. I started uh, the week before the Met Gala. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I've described for that, like working at Vogue, especially in four times square when it felt it was the marble hallways and it felt very uh, old school, sort of like the September issue documentary. People wore very high heels and it was like sort of being in an ER in stilettos. Like yeah. people were just running around like there was urgent crises happening all the time. <laughs> and it's funny to now 10, 15 years later, see the evolution of that, which is that post COVID and in just a more relaxed world, people aren't in stilettos ever in the office anymore. Right. People are just not quite as frazzled. I feel like it's like, there seems to be maybe just a shift in the way people are operating. We've interviewed so many former Vogue staffers, Tani and Anne Mashburn. How have those years molded you and what have you learned? What's been the most important thing you've learned in working there? Well, a lot of things, but <laughs> I'm always extremely impressed with the way Anna is very thoughtful about selecting the people who are going to work for her. And when I uh, first came to Vogue, a lot of people, my friends and family were sort of surprised by my choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I hadn't expressed that I wanted to work in fashion and it ended up being 
the people I was surrounded by that really sold me on being yeah. there. And this curation, expertly curated group of extremely smart, yeah. extremely cooperative, collaborative, ambitious, funny people. And I've been very impressed by uh, Anna's ability to identify who those people are and bring a group of people. Because at the end of the day, for someone who's managing as many people as she is, you have to be able to delegate well and trust that who you're delegating. I'm also really interested in um, hearing you talk about the podcast you have. Tell me about that and how that's been the transition from written word to spoken. The podcast has been great. It's been about a year, um, well, about nine months uh, that we've been doing it. And me and Choma Nadi, who's the editor of Vogue.com, and uh, she and I co-host it. And it's it's definitely been a learning curve. It's uh, We've been doing trial and error of what works best, what interviews people respond to, uh, what format people respond to. And for me, it's been interesting to see how different it is to be uh, doing live interviews versus writing a profile of someone or in an article about something. Yeah, completely. It's, it's nice to do different things and to be challenged and, uh, you know, because it is learning a new skill set. I've always been someone who's nervous about uh, not being a great interviewer. I tend to over talk and to, you know, babble a bit. And so with podcasting, you really have to be strict about that and cut yourself off. So that's been a good exercise. I think you're you're at an interesting peak in your personal life and your career. And tell me about how that's been and, and what that's been like to try to figure out how to be a mother of two young children and, and still do this well. I don't feel like I'm doing it well. <laughs> I feel like I complain all the time and I'm often grumpy and I often feel like I'm dropping one shoe. Welcome to being a mother. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, and then when I say that, everyone's like, oh, yeah, when they're young, it's so hard, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, why aren't, why am I not, why did I not know that? I had, I just don't feel like I had heard that enough of just how, because when everything's going well, you can have everything gamed out of, I'm taking Artie to school and Mariama or Nanny's here with Alice and, you know, Graham's going to pick him up. And, but then he gets sick or um, she didn't, Alice didn't sleep the night before. And it's just sort of, it's all of these, unknowns that are happening all the time that can throw everything off. Mm -hmm. And how are you managing it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, with a lot of help from my husband and our nanny. Yeah. And by, you know, saying no to a lot of things, like I, I've just been very uh, sort of clear with myself that like, I am fortunate enough to be invited to a lot of things. And I live in New York, which is a cultural capital. And so I love going to the theater and to new restaurants. And that's just not happening for me very much right now. Yeah. I have a rule that I don't go out more than once a week. Um, otherwise, I'm just too exhausted. And, you know, I, I sometimes I'll see someone going to a new restaurant on Instagram, I'm like, oh, I should try that. And then I'm like, it's just not happening right now. Like there'll be new <laughs> restaurants in five years and exactly. there'll be new plays in five years. And so I do think that like something has to go a bit. And for me, that's been my social life a little bit. I've just found this to be a really hard period. I struggle a lot and I have a lot of help. 
So I really, I think often about people who don't have the support system that I do. Absolutely. I, I have an 18-year-old and I only have one and I had so much support from my husband and from a nanny and all everybody, my mother, everybody. And uh, it was very, very hard. It has been and it still is at 18 really hard, you know? I mean, I think it's just hard. It's hard. Yeah. And do you regret that you were working so much when they were little? No. Uh, I mean, I, I've thought about it a lot, actually, as she graduated from high school. I felt so, um, I felt like, wow, what a feat that we did this, that we raised this child, and she's through high school. And yes, I had a lot of like pride that I had held my career through the whole thing and um, kept the business running. But also, sure, probably a lot of guilt and a lot of like, did I do it the right way? Should I have done it differently? I mean, I think I, I don't I think that's a really normal thing that women feel. And you know, I hate to say this, but I but, you know, I don't think my husband's I don't think his life changed that much. You know, it, it was enriched a lot through her. He, yeah, he enjoyed her so much. But I don't think his working life didn't change. I don't think he you know, I don't think he worried <laughs> that he about going to work every day and all the things. Like, I think that it's just it's just completely different for women. I mean, Chloe, I could only do it one time. I mean, after that, the first the first child, I just was like one. Just because my with my work, I traveled so much, I just felt like there's no. I mean, my heart will break in a hundred pieces. I can't do it another time. I can't miss people that much. I can't you know agonize over things that much without my heart exploding. I know. I just, I sometimes wonder, you know, when my kids are 18, will I be like, why wasn't I around more when they were their cutest? Yes and no, because I think also you have taken time off and you have spent those times and then you're also totally yeah. exhausted and really ready to go to work. <laughs> well, that's, that's also true. <laughs> I mean, my, that, the young mothers I work with are like Monday morning is just like the best time in the world because you can come back to work because you're just like, I am, I'm done. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just never figure it out. I don't know. Does your mom, does she support you in that or does she have any advice? She doesn't. She's not one to sort of, um, she's very humble in that way where she's not sort of extolling advice all the time. And I really actually appreciate that. I have a few friends whose parents are constantly saying, why tell your kids should be doing this or they yeah. should be doing that. And she's very um, respectful of my parenting. And, you know, I think that she would say, spend as much time with them as you can. Mm -hmm. But I also think she knows that it's important to me to be working and to yeah. derive value from being part of something bigger than yes. my home life. Yeah. And I mean, I think you definitely had two amazing examples of that. And I think that is what I would say also that one of the, what I was saying today to a friend was, I can't imagine being at this moment with my daughter headed to college and, and not having a career to, to, that yeah. next day to go to. I can't imagine because right. that that right. would be, I, I would not know what to do. I know. I know. I, I And I see, I have friends and, you know, moms of friends who I think that can be very hard. I have one more question. We we always ask everybody in the podcast what they wore to prom. <laughs> so you had moved. Oh, I love that. You had moved to Manhattan by then, or were you still in LA? I had moved to Manhattan, mm -hmm. and I went to prom with my best friend, mm -hmm. who is still a good friend of mine. And I actually had gone to Paris uh, 
for spring that spring break with my mom mm-hmm. and we went to the flea market and at the paris flea market we found this amazing beaded 1920s seafoam green flapper dress and it was like 200 euros which at the time seemed very expensive yeah. to me and so i got that and i wore that to prom how beautiful and i wore it with these like little pale pink sort of grain silk uh ralph lauren uh sandals Pretty. and uh that i still have actually uh i wore them to the met this year you did um yeah and you did it you didn't marcel your hair or anything <laughs> I did not. I had my hair up uh-huh. and I now to this day, I have one picture from prom and I had this one like curly tendril that was coming down <laughs> in my face. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I just pin that up? <laughs> uh, I have one picture. I need to find it. God, I haven't found that, seen that picture in a long time <laughs> to look for it. I love it. Well, thank you, Chloe. I hope you have a wonderful trip and I hope to see you sometime in, in the next year. Me too. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drozda. Please follow us on Instagram at What We Wore Podcast for additional content and show updates. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.